you open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, as I speak on some kingdom dynamics, some kingdom principles about sharing our faith, the word is actually evangelism, very fancy word, I just like to call it friendship, how's that sound? Friendship, friendship evangelism, if we can open up to Mark chapter 4, verse 26, four short verses. Listen to what Jesus Christ is teaching us. He said, The kingdom of God is as if man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for giving us insights on how the kingdom of God works. And as Christians, you call us to understand these inner dynamics, this power of the word of God. And you call us, Father God, to be sowers in this world. This is your world. You've created it. And we are the light of the world now. We're the salt of the earth. And we have the seed of salvation. We have the message of Jesus, God, and you ask us to share this in our everyday life, Father God. A simple expression of how much God means to us, to everybody else, God. It's, it's as simple as that, Lord. Let us share our deep love for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Going to spend a little time over the next couple of weeks speaking on about evangelism, or really, like I said, friendship. Sharing Jesus Christ. Sharing Jesus with others. And, and just as important as, how does it work? How does this all work? And matter of fact, why does it work? My desire is to remove some fears and apprehensions from, from us that many people might have by having a better understanding of what we're called to do when we're called about sharing our faith. And I uh, used an analogy at the men's meeting on Monday night, and I use this quite often from the pulpit. It's when you're in love with someone, when you're in love with your wife and you're in love with your children, you don't have to, you're not ashamed to take out a port and say, this, this is my wife, these are my children. You, you show that off. It's, it's, it's a joy to do. I would never think about not saying, this is my wife. I love when I go somewhere, I eat all week, my wife's not around, it. then I take her on a weekend. So I, I want to show her off. I like when she comes to the gym. I like when she shows up. This is my wife. You know? But that's how easy sharing Jesus is. You know, I don't have my wife in the back. I like young, young, young men. Time out. Men are real wimps. I gotta be honest with you. I've never seen so many guys uptight when they're around their girlfriend, they're around their wives, and I'm like, I've known a guy for 10 years, and there's a woman next to him, and you would think he would say, hey, this is my wife, or this is my girlfriend. And I'm waiting, and I have to go over and introduce myself. The guy's like so uptight. You should be like, this is my wife. This is my kids, you know what I mean? Look who's with me today. They're sharing life with me today. Same thing with God. Because it's about love. And we share Christ. And I want to tell somebody about what Jesus has done for me and what he can do for you and how wonderful he is and how loving he is and how he turns your life upside down. And we have these oceans of love he fills our hearts with as we sung about today. 
That's what sharing is. You know, some people got a picture of being on the street and telling people, you, you know, you, you got to get right with God. You got to turn or burn. Or, you know, and you got this picture of this wild street evangelist. You know, it's like God uses that. If it's God's word, he'll use it. But we choose a different approach. We choose, we are a local church. We are here. I am 58. I've lived in this neighborhood for 58 years in a, a, in a four block radius. <laughs> And I'll die in this neighborhood in a four-block radius. I'm not going nowhere. My wife's not going away. Kim and John are not going nowhere, whether they know it or not. They're not going anywhere. And we probably got a couple other people here that aren't going anywhere either. But when you're a local church and you're a local pastor, we don't have to try to shake the tree until something happens. We live with people. And we share our faith. And we give people time. We give God time to work on people's hearts. We walk the extra mile with people. Evangelism is the clearest and simplest explanation. It's being used to reconcile, is important, is to reconcile sinners with God through Christ's work of redemption, relying solely on the Holy Spirit's influence, not our own. It's about the Holy Spirit. You're here today, was your heart warmed today while you sung? Did it put life in a little more greater perspective of what it's really about. Did it recalibrate what life is really all about? That's the Holy Spirit does that. This is what we see in the songs, these worship songs. The Holy Spirit is moving upon our hearts. We've got to rely on Him. And that's what Jesus is teaching in this parable today, and the importance of it. So I ask you this, do you want to be a good sharer of your faith? I mean, if you do, then we need to understand certain principles that are going on and that seem to be behind the scenes, behind this little parable. And remember about a parable. It's a heavenly story, or, or, or an earthly story with a heavenly message to it. Pastor John always uses that. And that's what it is. It's teaching us something about heaven, how it works from an earthly perspective, like sowing and reaping, uh, agriculture, something we can understand. Christians are called to engage in their sharing their faith with others in their lives. And for many of us, it's intuitive in our hearts. We know it. I remember the first week I became a Christian, something happened to me. I came into a church one day and I left. I wasn't the same. It's as simple as that. I was not the same. This wasn't some long, evolving thing for Brian Martin. Brian Martin came to church. I heard... I was crying, my, my heart was open, I, I loved this. And like a week later, I realized, you know, I said, I got everything, but God's not in my life. So what do I have if God's not in my life? I never looked back, ever. Almost 30 years ago, I never, ever not have gone to church, I've never not read my Bible. I, from the day one, I shared my faith with people, even when I only knew a little, a little of it, or how it worked. The Holy Spirit gets us to desire to do this. But somehow, sometimes, God's concerned, I'm concerned as a pastor, people slow up in sharing their faith. I don't want to speak to Christians today. Not just young Christians, but Christians that seem to have pulled away from generally sharing their faith as a natural thing, like I shared before, the analogy of just sharing your wife or sharing your husband or sharing your kids with somebody. That's how easy it really should be to share our faith. And uh, there's a way of doing it. So I have a question. Why are so many struggling in this area? Why do we struggle? What's going on? It really shouldn't be more simple than just talking to people like you would talk about your husband, your wife, your children. It should be a non-essential. 
should be very simple. It really should. Why have so many grown cold in the area of sharing their faith? You might be here today. Can you make an assessment of yourself? I say, you know, Brian, I'm a Christian 40 years and I'm still sharing my faith. Or I'm a Christian 4 years or 10 years and I used to be a lot more vocal about it, but I've sort of pulled back. I've, I've retracted. I believe the text gives us so many answers to our questions tonight that we're going to look at. The main point I will try to convey is that we are called to be good sowers. That's the, that's, the, that's the message in here today, is to be a sower of a seed. Not to be overly concerned about the harvest. God does the harvest. God gives the growth. That's all the Holy Spirit's job. I don't have to worry about it at all. And when that pressure is off you, and it should be off you, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs only to God. That is God's jurisdiction. That's God's domain. And if we crash upon that, you know something? We're going to do a very bad job. We're going to turn people off. That's what we'll do. We'll become very self-righteous, forcing people to read their Bibles and tell them to go to church. It's, just, it's a bad way to do business. We just got to trust in God. Amen? Amen? So let's remove some of these apprehensions over here. Understanding is important on this point. That what Jesus is doing in this parable, we know the intrinsic value and the intrinsic power of the seed. The seed is the gospel. I'll explain that as we go on. It's intrinsic. It's in the message, not in the messenger. Rest assured, when we come with the message, the message is pure. We're not. Unfortunately, we're still human beings and we struggle in the flesh. And if you get me on a bad day, you'll see me angry. And, uh, you know, and it's interesting. The other day I was having a bad wasn't having a great day, and I'm with this other fellow, and uh, he happened to see a club go flying out of my hand. I don't know, a demon must have took the golf club out of my hand I, after I missed that three-foot putt, and it just went, then. So, of course, who wants to listen to Jesus for me now? Well, when I sat down and had lunch with him, we spoke about Christ for about a half hour. You see, because it's not dependent if I throw that club or not. You know, it just got a little loose, that's all. <laughs> but I share my weaknesses and my failures because I'm not perfect. But here's the thing. We were able to engage in a healthy half-hour discussion about salvation in Jesus Christ. This man was longing to hear this. He grew up in a faith that explained nothing to him. He goes to church basically every week and knows nothing about God. He learned more in a half-hour just conversing that he had in 50 years of going to school and colleges and everything else because no one shared it with him. So here's the point. The power is in not how well we live. Let's live well. Let's do good. Let's love. Let's go there. But it doesn't depend on that. It depends on the truth. God backs up the truth. And that is the point we all need to know. God backs up the truth. There's a man sitting here now. He's saved. He loves the Lord. And on my worst days, a young Christian, I was a young Christian. I was having a terrible day. And and I was like, God, just forgive me. God, forgive me of my sins. And as I'm saying this in the gym, he comes up and goes, are you a friend of Jesus? I'm like, this is like the worst day you can have as a Christian young man. But yet God knows. And we started talking, and he's been a member of this church for 20 years. You know, he's, he, he's here today. He knows who he is, and he, he's a great friend of mine. 
But this is how God works. It's about God. It's not about us. I have another example in the gym. And the importance of this is one gentleman, for two years, I went out of my way, I'm going to say hello to this guy. I'm going to say hello to this guy. Two years. Never said hello to me. So I go in one day and I'm having a great time. So I'm not going to say hello to this guy. Not going to say hello. I walk by him once. I walk by him twice. I turn my back on him a third time. I see him coming through the machines. He's looking for me. He goes, are you a pastor? I said, I'm a Christian man. He said, yes. He goes, goes, so am I. So he didn't know what to say. What he was saying is, I believe in Jesus too. That was the beginning of our relationship. He's been part of this church ever since. That's how God works. See, that's that's the message in here today. How it grows, we don't know. You know something? I'm glad I don't know. It's nice to leave a couple of things to God, amen? It's nice that God doesn't have to explain everything to us. Many Christians give up on their witness and sharing their faith because they haven't seen the fruit. Great mistake. They're looking for something. And what they see is only much unbelief and resistance. And it's wearisome. It wears you now when you want to try to share your faith and no one wants to listen. There's lessons to be learned there. Their eyes and their hope are what they haven't seen. In the life of faith, you don't look at what you cannot see. You have to see what the Bible says. And you have to look with an eternal perspective. Not a temporary eye. You have to see that God is in full control no matter what. This is all in our text tonight. Where's the fruit? But the lesson tonight is how God operates through his word. Remember something. The message to seed the gospel is God's word. Let's go to our text. I'll read it again, make some preliminary observations, then break it down verse by verse. And he said, the kingdom of God is that a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now let me tell you, the seed is the message of salvation through Christ. The farmer sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Hello? He's a farmer. I think he should know something. The earth produces by itself. This is Jesus. First the blade comes up, you just see a little fruit. Then the ear comes up. Then the full grain in the ear. I love the trajectory Christ has shown us. There's a trajectory in spiritual growth. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is one of the kingdom parables that's unique to the gospel of Mark. Jesus in these parables is teaching certain dynamics about the kingdom of God and how it works. Things we should expect. And how the kingdom has changed in appearance and operation. Because it's not the Old Testament. It's not, we're not Jews anymore under the Judaism anymore. Because the new covenant, that means faith and grace for some new Christians. It's about faith and grace as opposed to law, the law of Moses, and works. We can explain that at a later date. But for a Christian now, for someone who's coming to faith in God, it's, we put our faith, I believe, that Jesus Christ lived my perfect life. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have failed God when it comes to loving him perfectly and loving my fellow man perfectly. I failed that. I failed the moral law in word, in deed, in act, ambition, 
attitude of my heart, I have failed God. But Jesus Christ has never failed God ever once. I put my faith that Jesus lived for me. That's Christianity. Hopefully I can make that any clearer than that. That's what we're here for. So when God sees me, he sees someone who has trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. That Christ died the death I should have died, and he lived the life I should have lived. Say it with me. Christ died the death I should have died, and Christ lived the life I should have lived. Again, Christ died the death I should have died, and Jesus lived the life I should have lived. That's Christianity. That's grace. If you notice something in that equation, you're not in it. It's all Christ. That's what it means to be the Savior. He's the Savior. He doesn't share his saving with us. He's done it all. Salvation is full and free. Salvation is full and it's free. It's paid for perfectly by Jesus Christ. There's nothing left undone. You don't have to try to do something. All you got to do is believe. That's it. Trust God on your behalf. So this is what's going on in this parable over here. In another parable we'll look at next week, the parable of the sower, his teaching about the responsibility of man's part. Today we'll speak on another part. We'll speak about man's heart next week. Here he's teaching the hidden dynamic of God's sovereignty, which is represented in the mysterious growth of the seed. If you're not familiar with God's sovereignty, it's something we speak about much here. We teach about it much. And this is what it means. God is king, and nothing happens in this universe unless he gives the nod. Nothing. Nothing happens on planet Earth. Nothing happens in the whole entire universe without God being in control. He's in full control of your life, whether you know it, you can see it, you can believe it or not. He's a he's sovereign king and a majestic Lord over your life. And I hope you learn that sooner than later. There is such a peace knowing that God is 100% for you and not against you. Amen. He's all for us. The seed of the word of God, the gospel message, and this is what it is. I just already said I'll say it a different way. Salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. That is it. That is the seed. Salvation by trusting Christ alone. He's done it all. Grace is the gift that God gives us of our salvation. These verses go to show that the self-generating nature of this gospel message. You can't help it along. It doesn't need a boost onto the roof. It never gets a flat tire. It never runs out of gas. It never runs out of electricity. It's always running and operating no matter what it looks like going on. God never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always in full control. Always. It is totally self-sufficient. Needs no helping hand other than just to share the message. After that, you share the message. Yeah, you got to plant, you got to seed, you got to water it, you got to talk to somebody, you got to nurture them. How's that? How you doing with your faith life and so on and so forth? But the growth, the actual change that takes place, it's all God. Now, you know something? At this point, you should let your shoulders relax and say, wow, this is great. It's all the Lord. All I got to do is take out the photograph and say, here's a picture of Christ. 
Look what he's done for me. Let me tell you some of the things that Jesus has done for me over the past 30 years. And you start telling people. That's what I do all the time. That's my opening line. How's your faith doing? How's your faith? That's my opening line. I don't even know if they have faith. Let them respond. And now i got a dialogue. And I'll talk more about that in application. Let's be sure about something here, everybody. Learn this lesson tonight. When it comes to Christianity, God's in control of the whole thing. But here he's represented in the whole eternal mechanism of God's word on the human heart. Also, before I get into this, for some Christians here, you have to learn the word sanctification. Can you say it with me? Sanctification. Sanctification. Say it one more. Sanctification. That's the process of change in our heart. We become more like Jesus. We become more loving. We become more kind. We become more compassionate. We become more forgiving. We become more helpful. We become more holy. We turn our eyes from things we shouldn't look at anymore. We don't touch things. We don't. A whole thinking process changes. That's sanctification, and it's all the work of God. It's not me and John running around trying to shake you into, you know, be more like Jesus and get your act together. Don't have to do that. I tell you the truth. That's the word, right? And the Holy Spirit changes all of us from the inside out. Sometimes it changes very fast. Sometimes very slow. Sometimes it makes you sing. Sometimes it makes you cry. Sometimes it hurts. You find out self-revealing truths about who we really are in God's eyes. A little scary thought sometimes. But God's love is always there. This parable represents more than personal salvation. It is first and foremost about the kingdom of God. This is God's house. This is about the kingdom of God. From Christ's first coming to his second coming. Understand something. When Jesus says the gates of hell will never overcome the gospel message, it won't. They're trying at this point, as I said in a couple of weeks, I'll be working on a couple of sermons about what's going on in our country against Christianity. I don't know if you noticed, but Christianity is under attack. And it's my job and John's job as a pastor to collect, collect all the data, put it together in a coherent manner, and we can show you what's going on. And we've got to be careful. And I'll be doing a couple of special teachings for parents, because parents, you've got to get tough, man. I'm telling you now. You've got to roll up your sleeves got to get the heart filled with Jesus and get ready for a battle that's coming because this nation wants to tell our children what to believe, what not to believe, what's right, what's wrong, what you can do and what you can't do. They're taking all the authority away from the parents. They're undercutting parental guidance in every area of life. So parents, we're here for you, okay? Okay, let's go on to this. I don't have to say a lot more about that, but I won't. Let's go to verse 26. Twenty-six and twenty-seven. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. This is the important thing. He's done his job, but the growth, he has no idea. Jesus here is pointing to the great limitations the farmer has. Alright? It's great limitations. Though he does all that he's responsible for, he's got all the elbow grease. 
He cannot give life to it. Are you with me? Only God can give life. Only God can do that. Spiritual life can only come from God. This is an analogy. Remember that. This is about eternal life, but he's using an earthly example, a parable of how spiritual things happen. This is how you got here. This is how I got here. Now I understand when I read this, oh, now I know why I'm a Christian. God gave the growth on the inside. I had no idea. This is important. Mankind has many limitations. The farmer has limitations. He can do everything he's responsible for, but at the end of the day, his hands are tied. He has to hope and pray that the rains come and the sun comes and the seasons come and give growth. Amen? His hands are tied to the actual growth of the harvest. He has to trust. He can observe. The farmer can wait. The farmer can pray. The farmer can expect. And he can hope. But his part is over. The crucial part is not up to him. Jesus' audience knew agriculture. And they knew that it was God's ultimate blessing on the crop. We are dealing with an arid climate. In Palestine, like it is today, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ gave this, all you there were was dust and rocks. And they knew to eat, you had to plan hard, you had to work hard, but at the end, God had to bring the early and the latter rains. The early rains came in about the end of March, early April, still in Palestine today. That would water the seeds. Then the latter rains would come at the end of August. They were heavy, heavy thunderstorm rains. And then the growth would come in. And then the harvest would come in. So they understood. They're following Christ on this. These are all farmers. They know. They got to get this right. If you don't get this right in the desert, in the arid land, if you don't get the early rains, if you don't get the late rains, if you don't get your seed in the ground before the early rains, you don't eat. Your family doesn't eat. You had to prepare properly. You had to watch the signs. You had to watch the times. You had to make sure your seed was ready. You had to make sure the field was ready. You had to plant. But at the end of the day, God has to give to God. I shared this once before. I know many, many farmers. Personally, I know many of them. Do you know something that one of them is not? Not one I know is an atheist. Not one. They all have faith in God. Everyone I know, and man, they all thank God when the harvest comes in, man. It's all like this miracle right before them. They know that. They can't take no credit for that. When they're sitting down and cooking and they're feeding the family, they get they have to say grace. We have to say grace. We just go to the store and buy it, but God had to grow it. <laughs> you learn a lot from the farmer. Let me read something from the Gospel of John. Listen to Jesus Christ in John chapter 3, verse 5. 
Hmm. I'm going to read it from that. Listen to this. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We got two more verses there for me? Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What Jesus is teaching us in all these, these teachings is that at the end of the day, the message, my job and your job is just to share Jesus. That's it. The wind blows to and fro. The Holy Spirit, that's the wind. He doesn't say, you know, Brian, do you mind if I breathe? Holy Spirit, you do what you want to do. I'm just sharing Jesus Christ, and I am trusting you 1,000% that you will bring the growth at your time when you want, and I'm not going to get in the way of it. Everyone who was born in the Spirit, you don't even know it. One day you wake up and you say, I'm a Christian, and I like it. I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about God. I'm, I'm thinking about a different life. I've got a different conscience. I, I, I got this inner impulse to live different. God does that. You can't make anybody. Parents, you can't make your children. You got some parents here. You can't make your children do it. Just live it. Let them see it. God will take care of the rest. Verse 28. Listen to this. Can we get uh, Mark 428 up there? Yeah, no. Tell me when it's there. Ah, there we go. The earth produces by itself, Jesus says. First the blade comes. Then the ear, probably corn. Then the full grain in the ear. By itself, this is what the word means in the Greek, without any cause, self-moving, spontaneous. Spiritual life is a spontaneous act of God. I love this. It makes me dance. You're looking at a crazy guy. Because, understand, I, I cannot touch upon this without sharing what God has done in my life. I could care less what anybody thinks about me. I'm just going to tell everybody about Jesus Christ in a loving, friendly manner. I'm going to show them what God has done for me. Before you ever hear about God in my coming, I will show you what God has done in my life. By caring for you, by being a friend, by being a neighbor. And then if I get a chance, I'll share with Christ. God does all the rest. God spontaneously, self-moving Holy Spirit does whatever he wants. Don't be scared to share your faith. This is what Jesus Christ is telling them. Understand, so let me give you a little biblical theology. I'll get a little fancy here, right? Jesus Christ is telling 12 disciples who in a short amount of time are going to desert him because of fear of man. Then the Holy Spirit is going to come upon these 12 and guess what they're going to do? They're going to tell the whole world that Jesus Christ is alive. And they don't care. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is full charge. And why are we worried about what people think about you? Why do you, do you care about what people think about your family, about your wife? No. You, you care about what people think about your relationship with God? If they do, you shouldn't care. 
Just tell people. God brings spontaneous growth. It produces by itself, without any cause. Bring a guy to church, one of my karate students one day, about 20 years ago, and he stood there like this. Like a statue. He didn't blink. It was like a mime on 40 seconds. I couldn't read him at all. And then I didn't see him for like six weeks. I said, oh, I'll never see him again. And then Brian and I talked to him. I got a phone call. I see him in a private class. I said, where you been? He goes, I just want you to know. I went to church. I said, yeah. He goes, I was so convicted of my sin before God. I've never experienced that ever in my life. I just want you to know. I turned to Christ. I asked him to wash me and forgive me of all my sins. And he was a Christian. By itself. By itself. This is the intrinsic power of the message. You don't know how powerful you are. I want you to arm you. Jesus Christ has armed us with the most powerful dynamic in the universe. And it's not the Son's power. It is the message of salvation. It is powerful. That's why Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Why are we ashamed of the power of God to change the human heart? It's only other occurrence. This word by itself is only used one other time in the whole New Testament. It's Acts chapter 12. When the prison door that held Peter prisoner opened by itself. And this is the point Jesus is making when it comes to sharing our faith. And he's making it clear. The word of salvation, the gospel message, is self-sufficient and powerful. Don't add anything to it. If you try to add to it, you're going to ruin it. I'll speak a little bit about that later on. Saving faith comes by hearing. You got to hear about Jesus Christ. Hearing the Word of God. Hearing the Gospel. Like a natural seed, spiritual germination may take a long time. Some seeds lie dormant for seasons. It doesn't look like anything's happening, it just sits in the heart. Until more favorable times, times like God knows what's best. That's why he says the. The blade first, then the ear, then in the ear, then the growth, then the harvest. There's a trajectory in spiritual life. And we got to know that. Don't ever, not everybody's just going to hear about Jesus and they're going to come running into the church. God takes time. We are to wait. Mostly waiting. I believe the scriptures hold out to us to wait with expectation of what God can do. We cannot force the fruit. And this is what I want to get into. You ready, guys? No gimmicks. We hate gimmicks in this church. Or some methodology of trying to trick people. You can't employ anything to help the grass grow sooner. 
It has to take God's a God time. Many ministers today try anything. And I've gone to them. Listen, me and John, we've been around a long time. I've gone to church growth movements, some new thing, and crazy, outlandish, nonsensical. Anything to get people into a church. Anything. You get false salvations and false revivals, but in the end they all fail. Or worse, they produce a false hope of eternal life. It doesn't work that way. What we need is to create more venues for sharing. How many people would like to go to a church with, say, a thousand people with hands lifted up and a whole band worshiping and everybody just in love with Jesus Christ? Would you like that? Go tell people. That's it. The only difference from now to then is just go tell people and let God do something wonderful. That's what it takes. Listen to verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, Jesus says, that once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come, God knows when the heart is ripe for the pickings. Only God knows the human heart. You don't and I don't. Only God does. When I saw my friend there that I didn't see for six weeks, after he came, he, was, he couldn't move a church. See, God bring the growth. I thought he was scared. He'd never come back again. I lost a friend. Not realize I gained a brother in Christ. I gained a brother in Christ. Our relationship is better than ever it could have been. Yeah, he was my friend. He was my student. He was my pupil. I was the teacher. He was the student. Uh, I was sensei. He was the student. But understand something. Now he's my brother in Christ. And that's the most important thing. Because God put the sickle into his heart and saved him. It took a while, but God did it. This verse deals openly with the second coming of Christ. One day Christ will come back and the sickle will be out. And all those who truly belong to God will spend eternity in heaven with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's the true harvest. Praise God. Because let me explain something to you. There is the visible church and there's the invisible church. Everybody say visible church. Visible. Under the visible church is anybody that calls himself a Christian. Protestantism and all its branches, Roman Catholicism, all that. That's the visible church. We wear our Christ heads, we wear our crosses, we go to Mass, we go to church, we'll do this. That's the visible church. Are you with me? But God knows within the visible church who are real Christians. That's the invisible church. That's all those whose hearts are right with God. And when the sickle at the end of the age comes, the visible church will be half empty because the invisible church will be taken away. We have to remember, God's word does not return void. God will accomplish everything he sent out to do. God never, ever, ever fails. He has never failed. And God knows how to use our witness and our prayers. He knows that. He knows our frailties. He knows we're not perfect. Only Christ can walk on water. Only Christ was sinless. The rest of us, we have to live in our human nature. We do the best we can. But let's share our faith with other people. God makes it real. God makes it work. And it's important to notice the Apostle Paul tells us a verse of Scripture when it comes about the power of God. He says this, as humans, as Christians, we're just jaws of clay. That's what he said. Just jaws of clay. We're earthen vessels. That's all. 
But these jars of clay hold this great treasure of the message of salvation. And Apostle Paul goes on to say, to show that the power is not of us, but it's of God. God uses our, our frailty. He uses our human weaknesses. He knows we got a lot of mistakes. we got a lot of growth. we got a lot of immaturity about us. But please, tell people about the Lord. Watch what God does. Let me tell you something. When you are used by God to share the message, that first time you see someone actually come to Christ, it's a beautiful thing. It's really a beautiful thing. You'll be hooked. Let me just close some applications here again. Understanding this truth brings peace and easiness to our witness. We don't have to force anything. I've seen too many Christians trying to force their, their, their belief system on other people. You don't have to do that. Let them see a message and let them see the genuine love in your heart. God does all the rest. You don't have to force. You don't have to try it. Don't, don't get weird. Don't get weird. Just live it. Show people. Show people you really care. Dialogue is key. To have a good and consistent dialogue with others about Christianity, one needs to be a good and respectful listener. Respect all human beings. Respect where they are in their journey of faith, wherever, if they know Christ, if they're atheist, if they're agnostic, or maybe they're going to a mainstream denomination that really doesn't teach much. Be patient with everybody. Listen to people. Listen to their heart. They get to know somebody from the inside out. Spend some time with people. Then start sharing your faith at the proper time. Because it's all up to God. You don't have to try to make anything happen. And understand something about this. Unfortunately today, there are many ministers, many churches, that like addition by subtraction. I use that a lot. You know what addition by subtraction is? In a spiritual way? I know what we'll do. To get more people, I'll stop speaking about sin. How's that? I won't speak about sin no more. And let me see. I won't talk about the need to repent. We'll stop with the, put that in the back. And I won't tell people about hell. We won't talk about hell. Ooh, don't use the bad hell word. And we won't tell them about that. So we'll subtract all that. And we'll just say, well, just God loves you. And he, he forgives you. It's not sin no more. It's a mistake. And it's not this. And, it, and that's how they try to build up the church. They subtract the gospel. And then they try to build it, and they come. And they come. Because what? Where they don't go. They don't go to heaven. The Apostle Paul says, Do not allow your salvation to rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. I can come up here and trick you. I can play sleight of hands. Understand something. This is when you know you're listening to genuine Christian preaching. Here's the test. It should offend you often. If the truth is not offensive at times, it's not the truth. If everybody can say amen at the end, something's wrong. When the Jew, the Muslim, and the atheist are all crammed to get into the church, something's wrong. Jesus says it this way. Woe to you when every human being speaks well of you. Because that means you're doing something wrong. The truth offends. And it's when that offense comes, that's when you can look at your own heart and say, God, I've sinned against you.
Can I have this free and full salvation that Jesus Christ offers to me? Please, God, I accept your mercy. I accept your grace. I'm just another human being. I'm just another garden variety sinner on earth, Father God. That's all I am. Would you please forgive me and give me a second chance at life with you? Let's close. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you that the message, the power is in the message. We don't have to do anything but live it and love people, Father God. You will take care of everything else, Father God. I just pray you touch everybody's heart here to realize we are all called to share our faith. Help us in this endeavor to joyfully and lovingly, with no strings attached, no strings attached, no strings attached, share our faith and our love for Jesus Christ with other people. In his name we pray.